The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
that's how you start a podcast. Damn. I mean, if you just put it in quotes, <laughs> hell is for children. Wow. Yeah. You immediately really need to, uh, what, justify that or yeah. put a disclaimer on it or something. Seriously. Well, it's, it's kind of like we were talking about. You, know, you look at some of the songs that, uh, that Pat Benatar wrote back then. Yep. You know, we didn't really, I think, notice it. or, or They're all con- confrontational. They're very <laughs> confrontational. <laughs> you know, love is a battlefield. Invincible. <laughs> Yeah, hit me with your best shot. Indeed. It's like, <laughs> damn, talk about in your face, right? Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. <laughs> was that one of hers? I think that was one of hers. <laughs> I think actually that was the title of her greatest hits collection. <laughs> now that I think about it. No, her her her, her autobiography is uh, Pat Benatar: A Life in Spandex. Hey, yeah. Yeesh. Wow. So yes, that was uh, of course is. It was blatantly obvious. That was a song called Hell is for Children. Indeed. Uh, that was from Pat's 1980 album, Crimes of Passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, it was never released as a single, but it became obviously very, very popular in rock radio anyway. And uh, the song was written by Pat, her longtime husband, musical collaborator, Neil Giraldo, mm-hmm. and their bassist at the time, Roger Capps. And uh, Pat was prompted to write the song after reading a series of articles about child abuse in the New York Times. There Apparently, you go. she okay. was so aghast. Mm. At what she read, that she felt compelled to write about it, and uh, and there you go, you get Hellos for Children. Yeah, you know, definitely one of her her big hits. And like I said, all of us when we first encountered that title, it's like, what the hell is this about? Yeah, now? it's it's confrontational to say the least. Yeah, especially for, for the time it was a released. Slap in the face. Yeah, nineteen eighty. Yeah, right, we didn't talk like, about child abuse a whole lot in the eighties no, until that episode of Different not. Strokes. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> oof, poor Dudley. Oh, no. Uh, but as, as as always, you know, we, we picked that song specifically because it, it sings to us. Do we have an agenda? We do. We and do. it sings okay. to the opening agenda, which uh, there's, there's no easy way to put this. But basically, um, the family unit, well, she ain't what she used to be. Yeah. Especially because now in today's day and age, there seems to be a never-ending cavalcade of people who are out there trying to tell us how to raise our kids. It would seem. It and would they seem. ain't called mom and dad. No, <laughs> no. It, it, it kind of seems like the parents are being phased out here. Marginalized, yeah. definitely. You know, I, I mean, they're, they're, it's a tough time to be a parent, yes. you know, without a doubt. There's the, the challenges these days are absurd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, on a number of different fronts, um, what do you do? Yeah. You know? And it's, you know, using just us as an example for this one particular reason... We both had uh, fairly good childhoods. Not yeah. a whole lot of complaints, you know. No, not at all. And we always realized, you know, sometimes tongue-in-cheek, that our parents did the best they could because none of us came with an instruction manual. Yep. And we laugh at the, <laughs> the things that they kind of goofed up on, you know. Oh, yeah. But again, we, we turned out okay, or at least I like to think so. Well, it's one of those unique circumstances where the end does, in fact, justify the means. Right. You know, you get your kid to age 21, and he or she is healthy, self-sufficient, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have a criminal record or... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ridiculous drug habit, and guess what? You won. Right. You know, you Doesn't done... listen to disco. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a different day and age. So it would seem. when we were kids, you know, the, the, the household ruled supreme. Schools took a backseat to what happened in the house. Even churches took a backseat to what happened in the house. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, it seems that the opposite is kicking in. And like I said, there's this, this um, you know, to use an old theater treatment, the gallery, if you right, will, right. yelling out things subconsciously or consciously to the parents or the family unit, which whatever it's comprised of, yeah. of you know right and wrong and how to raise your kid, what to do, what not to do, what to teach them, where to teach it, and who's going to be doing the teaching. Yeah, and I think more and more we're finding, and this is, I think, you know, what what spurred this this discussion, this topic that we ended up on, is parental consent. Yes. Is, becoming less and less necessary, less and less significant, less and less mandatory, mm-hmm. which you want to talk about a difference between when you and I grew up and <laughs> <it> now, <laughs> that's it right there. We needed permission slips to go to the petting zoo with our class. Pretty much. Nowadays, they're saying that, well, if your kid wants to suddenly become uh, a he or a she, and they're not, well, we'll keep that between us and the school board. Parents don't necessarily need to know. Yeah, as bizarre <laughs> as that sounds. Yeah, your child decides that they want to change genders. Your permission isn't necessarily uh, obligatory. Right. And let's face it, there's always been uh, a, a tug of war, let's say, between um, 
some progressive school districts. You know, in, in our case, it would have been the onset of sex ed. Right. Okay? Right. And of course, everybody in the neighborhood and the school district would, oh my God, you can't teach kids this. And, you know, and now looking back to how watered down it was, and it would be like, one semester out of the year in the middle of your gym class, yeah. things would change up a little bit, and all of a sudden your gym teacher was going to tell you how to procreate, which really, yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah. But it wasn't nearly as bad as they played it out to be. And in all honesty, did they ever tell you anything that was usual? No, not a single time? damn thing. <laughs> you know, did no. that sound like a complaint? Uh, it wasn't meant to be a complaint. You know, because you, know, you and I both, we, we, we learned what we needed to know about lady parts either from squiggly Cinemax on late at night or old you know, nudie mags the older boys left behind in the woods when right. we were riding their bikes and shit. <laughs> and yet again, we turned out just fine. Uh, an argument could be made. But right. yeah, one way or another, you do figure this stuff out. Yeah. You know, probably to the detriment of your first couple of relationships that involved sex, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I look back on the you know first couple times, and it was just like God. Talk about like the blind leading the blind. Yeah, I you know what? I just wanted it to be over so I could tell my friends about it. <laughs> it was just I just went into robot mode, and I had a basic idea of what needed to get done in order for it to qualify as sex. Yeah, and that was my finish line. Let me get through this, and I can't wait to tell the guys about this tomorrow. <laughs> Oof. Back in the day. Back in the day. And you know, we don't mean to you know pigeonhole this topic specifically towards yeah, no. um, sex ed or anything. It's, it's all different kinds of things. We're talking about revamping history um, to suit or to be kinder or more accurate to minorities, which is a concept where, in a nutshell, ain't nothing wrong with that, but the way they take it to the nth degree and now they start leaving out historical facts because they feel it shapes the narrative too much. And again, the parents don't have a say in this. And I'll also come right out and say it like I have in the past. My fault does not lie with the teachers at all. These no. people are working their ass off. They've got custody of your kids, which half of us couldn't deal with all day. They're dealing with them all day, getting you know less than stellar pay for it. And yeah, it's a job they do gladly. They're doing the best they can. They're taking their marching orders from... An easy group to vilify, the, the local board of ed. Yeah, the bureaucracy. Right. And yeah. I've yet to see an example of any of these board of educations from anywhere in this country that wasn't uh, a little left of left, number one, and number two, just kind of out of touch with the day-to-day you know, struggles that these families are, are, are doing and whatnot. And yeah. it's just, There seems to be a lot of whiplash, too. Uh, I don't think it's any secret that, you know, kind of like you just touched upon, uh, parents rely on the school system for, for lack of a better term, daycare. Yeah. And, you know, they're focused on the job and they're focused on, you know, paying the bills and whatnot. And then they find out that this or that is being taught and it's kind of like, what? Right. You know, and, and t- typical of situations like that, when you're caught by surprise, your mind goes to a worst case scenario of what in the hell else is going on there that I don't know about. Exactly, And yep. that, that will prompt people to react, to overreact. Uh, obviously, you know, big, big fear these days is the whole CRT thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, critical race theory in and of itself is way too complicated uh, to teach, I think, grade school kids. I mean, I'm a relatively educated person. I made it a point to try and understand it, and it was a challenge for me. Yeah. But what you do get is you get bits and pieces filtering mm-hmm. down. And, and that's, just, that's just one example. Um, another thing we were talking about uh, is what's going on in Canada uh, with assisted suicide. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that it is legal in Canada. Actually, it's legal in 10 states in the United States and the District of Columbia as well. And how it fits our purpose is one of the things that we stumbled across, and this came courtesy of uh, Barry Weiss and her publication, Common Sense, is they're moving towards a scenario where you don't need parental consent for this. Mm-hmm. And it, you can imagine the whiplash effect on a parent. Oh, yeah. You know, find out that, you know, my kid can basically sign up to snuff himself out or get medically assi- medical assistance, and I don't need to be informed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a, a scenario uh, that I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to kick in in March of 2023 where if they judge uh, a minor to be a quote-unquote mature minor, that's the scenario where they can you know, sign up for a, for a death trip mm-hmm. without parental consent. And my first thought in coming across this is, 
who in the hell determines who the mature minor is? Right. You know? And then, you know, getting back to kind of some of the stuff we were referencing about the whole gender issue, identity scenario, who determines what child is actually suffering from gender dysphoria as opposed to just normally being a fucked up teenager? Right. You know, Which is part and parcel, part of being a teenager. And even to touch on what you just mentioned with the assisted suicide, you know, young people aren't taken seriously not because they're not bright, okay, and with the ease of which they can get their hands on any kind of information these days, they can self-educate themselves on a, on a myriad of topics. Indeed. But the one thing uh, by design or just whatever that, that young people don't have is the gift of perspective. Indeed, yeah. Which in many cases, whether you're, you're, you're framing it in terms of, of suicide, as bad as things get, adults know that inevitably they'll probably get better, okay? Oh, or yeah. whatever's vexing you at the time will pass. Yep. And in the terms of, like you just said, you know, these young kids trying to make a decision that they're more comfortable as, as, as the opposite sex, you need the gift of perspective yeah. to make a decision like that. Yeah. You know, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not going to wade into the argument of, you know, there's no such thing, you're born as this, whatever. No, it's not about that. It's just that a lot of things that these kids are getting pummeled with now from the educated left and right mm -hmm. is too much for them to handle in their little heads because they don't have the gift of perspective. They can't parse these arguments like a mature individual oh, would. God, yes. I remember doing a lot of things when I was a teen that I had no concept of the potential disaster mm -hmm. that it could have become if things had gone wrong. Right. You know, Because we're indestructible. Yeah. And we think we're going to live forever. Exactly. <laughs> and again, you don't have that perspective. You don't have that worst case scenario understanding of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it pales in comparison, but I remember, you know, being 16 before I had my driver's license, you know, sneaking the family car out for a drive for a little midnight drive. You were a hoodlum. And having a few beers <laughs> doing it, you know? <laughs> No idea of the potential consequences of my actions. Right. None. Right. You know, and that was just, quite frankly, silly shit. You mm -hmm. talk about doing something that you can't take back. Right. Like changing a gender or, you know, God forbid, assisted suicide, yeah. killing yourself. Yep. You can't take that one back. You know, Stevie Nicks not too long ago had a song called You Can't Fix That, mm -hmm. which was I think it was based on a, a suicide of someone... Uh, that she knew someone near and dear to her. And yeah, that's, that's the concept. Now, these kids are dealing with things that could potentially be irreparable yeah. without parental input. Mm -hmm. And in a day and age when there's certainly enough other dangers out there, it's, it's a minefield. You couldn't pay me enough to go back because everyone always says, well, if you knew now what you knew then and vice versa, would you go? Hell no. Hell I'm lucky no. I survived it the first time. Yeah. So let's say I come back as a teenager now, maybe as the exact teenager that I was, book smart, street stupid, okay? Yep. Yep. You got fentanyl pills rolling around out there, which not for nothing, it looks like one in 10 is, is poison, okay? <laughs> and it's going to kill you outright. Yeah. So you got that. You got... You know, gun violence and shootings in school all over the freaking place. You've got, you know, all this, this different sexual crap happening because it's like, man, we, we thought it was difficult when we were young. It, it seems like if you, if you believe half of what you see on TV, it's like every third kid has an alternative lifestyle. So now you're not just competing against the opposite sex. You're competing against the same sex to, to get these people, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's a madhouse. It's like a giant cartoon gone yeah. awry. Again, you know... Gender dysphoria is a very real thing mm -hmm. uh, and does result quite frequently in, you know, severe depression, suicide attempts, this kind of thing. But how do you discern that versus the effects of puberty? Right. I mean, puberty <laughs> might be the single biggest curveball mm -hmm. that you ever have to deal with in your entire life. Right. You know, the whole hormone thing, the whole, you know, your body is changing, your, your brain is changing, yep. you know, on a daily basis. I mean... I remember, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend and, you know, that being the end of the world oh, sure, as sure. you know it, yep. you know? And then, again, you know, 30, 40 years later, you know, you get a perspective on the thing, relatively minor blip on yeah. the radar, you know? But again, the perspective, the experience, the time. Yep. And how can you make these decisions when you don't have that? Yeah, exactly. And, I, and quite honestly, how can any adult... 
Mm-hmm. Not no better. Yeah. Well, the, the best that you can hope for and what they're actually doing is they're making one-sided decisions, which is never the right decision. No. Okay? You're talking about it's like a roulette game, literally. And, uh, yeah, adults, because they have the benefit of perspective, even in this case when it comes to dis- different you know, social movements and whatnot and which way the pendulum's going as far as these... Um, the educated and the enlightened and what sure. we're going to, you know, speed ahead. Why can't they just concentrate on reading, writing, and arithmetic? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough all these kids have cell phones on, which, uh. again, if that was me as a kid, I wouldn't get a damn thing done. Yeah. But, yeah, with all the distractions and everything, the legitimate distractions that are out there, they're just they're making it harder for these kids. And, again, over in China, what do you think they're doing in the classroom? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. learning to hate Westerners. Yeah. <laughs> really. That's, that's, yeah, coursework 101. Right. But, you know, like the old saying goes, you can't put the shit back on the horse. There is such a thing as too much information. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you touched on it earlier, the access kids have these days, courtesy of the internet, courtesy of social media, to what, in effect, is an overwhelming amount of information for an adult, never mind for a kid. Right. You know, this isn't doing anybody any good. You know, I'd, I'd like to think that there are some chestnuts and some nuggets. It's kind of nice, the concept of having the whole of human experience and knowledge at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. But that shit has to be regulated to some degree. Well, you know, one thing I think at this point you and I have an inadvertent degree in is researching any of the topics we've talked about in 128 episodes of this show. Uh. It doesn't take long before you see both sides of the argument and you start doing your research online and whatnot. And yet, one side, in most cases, is always louder or more prolific than the other. Now, notice I didn't say more correct, okay? Just louder and more prolific. And in some cases, just because the spokespeople they have that are of note for some reason are louder or more prolific than the other sides. It's, It's tough for us as adults to make decisions with the, I'm throwing up air quotes, folks, information at hand. Yeah. And we have, like I said, the gift of perspective. These, these kids don't. Yeah. So when they're researching something and they're trying to, to come up with a decision that they feel works for them, they're inevitably going to side with whatever opinion is best packaged. Yeah. Okay? And that, again, in and of itself, is pretty freaking dangerous. It yeah. really opens the door for those individuals with an agenda, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Well, you look back in the, the, the history of, of history, you know, there <laughs> That's were times, a long time. Yeah, there were times, you know, in, in, in medicine, for example, where people thought that drilling holes in people's heads was a good idea. Right. You know, we have since learned that there are better ways to handle certain things mm-hmm. like schizophrenia right. than that. You know, drilling a hole in the head and letting the voices out, not going to work. <laughs> not going to. But, you know, like the stupid old cliche goes, seemed like a good idea at the time. Right. Or these kids see. The TikTok challenges, Ugh. all of which are horrendously bad. Okay, it hasn't yeah. been a damn good one yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're eating Tide Pods or, um, you know, running up and punching strangers or whatever it is that week that they're in. I mean, this is their source of knowledge. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, as adults, we, we need to be the adult in the room, to use that cliche. Yeah. And I feel, personally, it should start at, at home. Because whether they're right or wrong... The parents have an undeniably the, the biggest stake in the development of their child versus anybody else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else. Ideally, that is how it works. But, you know, I'm sure you can say the same thing. I've seen some, some examples of just horrific parenting. Oh, sure. Uh, it's know. always out there. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's no getting around that. Mm-hmm. But, and, and quite frankly, if you're the kind of person who uses a term like adulting, for example, (laughs) I'm going to question your qualifications. And like I said, Mike, that tends to be people that don't have kids that talk like that. God, I hope so. (laughs) 20 20 and 30-somethings and the like. Yeah, but... But it, it, it still, it, it is the situation. It's not the best situation in the world. Maybe it's not what we wanted, but it is what it is. If you're a parent, you got to be a parent. Right. And quite frankly, with things that could potentially be irreversible, should be an age limit to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know it's not the liberal line these days, but, you know, if you're talking about puberty blockers, mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, other things that, like, could potentially do long-term damage that can't be corrected, 
kind of instill some common sense here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a wish, a hope, mm-hmm. you know? Not really religious. Maybe you could call it a prayer. Right. But it is what it is. And if they have to compromise, fine, let's say. All right, the kid doesn't need the parental permission. However, the parents have to know. Yeah. I mean, at least have the inroad there for somebody to be available to talk sense into this kid. Yeah, that's that, I think that's a good point that, yeah, maybe... You know, signing on the permission slip dotted line isn't necessary, but if you are a parent, you do kind of have the inherent right to be informed yeah. as to what's going on with your kid. And sadly, you know where this started? Like a couple of years ago, it was pre-COVID, yeah. and it started out with, um, I want to say it was not New York City proper, but in New York, they wanted to institute the law that if a kid was caught with a misdemeanor under the age of, shit, 16 or 17, yeah that the parents would not be informed. Interesting. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, what parent wouldn't want to know that their kid just got picked up for committing a crime or doing something? Yeah. I mean, it's already a misdemeanor. It's not the end of the world. But don't you think the parents should know so they could take corrective action? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And who thinks this is a good idea? Indeed. Some creepy-ass, you know, guidance counselor somewhere? Let's just keep this between us, because that's how it starts. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. it is incredibly Creepy. Yeah. Douche chill time. Right? I'm not even a parent. I'm like, leave my kid alone. Yeah. And I <laughs> do want to say that the spotlight is always on the people that stand out. You know, these days, if you fuck up in public, it's going to be on TikTok and it's going to yeah. get 500,000 views. But the vast majority of parents out there aren't doing a bad job. Right. Vast majority. They're you doing know, the best unfo- they can. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the idiots that always draw... <laughs> You know, the attention of the public at large. But, yeah, vast majority of parents aren't doing a half-bad job, I got to say. And, yeah, they have a right to know. Well, let me, let me float this thought bubble before we break off and go into our middle gem. All right. If somebody came along and told you how to care and raise and, and what to feed and all stuff, your cat or dog, you'd probably tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. Now think about how we're treating their kids. Message! Yeah. yeah. On that note, it's middle gem time. <laughs> Get us out of this yeah. middle gem. <laughs> Such fun well, gems today. Fun I know, rowdy gems. I know, I know. Well, I, I, I have a particular bias uh, with this one because the lead singer of this band uh, happens to be an alumni of the University of Southern California. Shockingly enough, has a PhD in molecular biology, so Oof. not punk rock. But at the same time, you can't argue with results. Uh, and <laughs> going along with our theme and closing the door on our, on our opening topic for today, this is the offspring doing the kids aren't all right. I can't argue with any of that. Duly noted that the first and second gym were all about the brain of Michael Sean Lee. <laughs> so we'll continue to be scared. That's Enjoy this tune. <laughs> and we'll be right back with some more things. And
Good offspring, too. I, I do like me some offspring, I gotta yeah. say. I gotta say. They've been a huge fan, because to me, like a lot of their stuff does eventually sound the same. Yeah. But uh, what they did and the style they did it, it, it it's iconic, because yeah. nobody else sounds like the offspring. Yeah, and they are very, very Southern California to mm-hmm. me. That just, that just takes me back to that time and that period and right. all the things that were going on back then. And it just, yeah, it, it, now it seems like a completely different reality. Yeah. And, uh, and I miss it, you know, quite honestly. I miss the, miss the palm trees. I truly mm. do, you know. So, yeah, that was from the Offspring's 1998 album, Americana. A uh, song was written by vocalist Dexter Holland, uh, reportedly after a visit to his hometown of Garden Grove, California. And uh, I believe he made a statement in talking about the motivation for writing the songs where... Uh, growing up in America is supposed to mean a bright future and a good life. Mm-hmm. But per the results of his hometown, the people in his hometown and what they were dealing with, he noted that that is sadly not always the case. Right. And it is true. The whole concept of the American dream yeah. you know, is kind of getting <laughs> shit kicked out of it these days. It Indeed. really is. Indeed. So, but anyway... Onward and upward. Onward and upward. So a little bit of a departure. Uh, more of a game of comeuppance. Yes, the curious case of, the of James <laughs> Corden. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, James Corden, who's famous for... Yeah, that. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was in the news recently because of uh, his just insufferable attitude towards... Those in the hospitality industry. Yeah, somebody fucked up his omelet or something. Yeah, and yeah. he was in a, the, the hoity-toity restaurant of Balthazar in New York. And, right. You know, basically it was a tit-for-tat then because the owner went out and banned him via, I guess, Twitter or whatever. Right. Uh, and then the next day, Corden supposedly contacted him, vehemently apologized. Right. The owner of the restaurant says, okay, well, all is good. Wow. And then, like, the next day, Corden does an interview with somebody. <laughs> and it's just like, well, I really didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying. Oh. Jesus. So again, it's like back to square one yeah. again. But uh, and then again, he did go to another venue then and apologize yet again. So it's like make up your mind, stupid. Really? But it's just a case of something that we're just starting to see more and more of, and it's um, the the tearing down of quote unquote beloved celebrities. Right. And again, you know, if you're out in public. And you screw up, uh-huh. and you know these days the the, the, the the case du jour is abusing people in the hospitality industry, whether it be right. hotel workers or restaurant workers or whatnot. You're going to be on TikTok that night, right? You know, at least a half a million people are going to watch the video and comment on what an asshole you are, right? And what was he thinking? And you know, him and the other examples that we're going to put forth are related in so much as we didn't go for super duper high-tier celebrities that could be equated with pond scum, like, like, like an Alec Baldwin. But more <laughs> I, like... I knew that was you coming. You knew the setup I, I was coming. I did, yeah. But it was more like those individuals, like James Corden, I'll, I'll name the other two first. Right. We're also going to zoom in on uh, Ellen DeGeneres and Gwyneth Paltrow right. for different reasons, but along the same line, simply because they're the types of middle-range celebrities that, that have entered the American home Okay, yep. much like both Regis and Kathy Lee, or any of the uh, personalities on the Today Show, right. or Fox and Friends. Ah, the View, the View. Oh my God, the View, <laughs> right? But yes, that's a perfect example because they kind of work themselves into our homes, yep. and they show us by hook or by crook kind of how to live. Right. They they teach these you know people watching at home during the day who have nothing else to do right. what normal is. They teach them what funny is. They teach them what tasty food is. They teach them the latest fad, the latest dance steps, the latest music, on and on and that, on. That would seem to be the nauseum. case. And okay. yeah, courtesy of, of the ubiquitous nature of social media these days, uh, we're finding a reality that I don't, I don't think it's actually anything new, but it's something that is relatively new as far as the exposure to it is the public persona and the real person aren't always the same thing, folks. Exactly. And once that great divide is crossed, like you would often say, you can't put the shit back on the horse. (laughs) And in this case, you can't. Now, apparently, the the underlying resentment towards James Corden is is nothing new. Right. And doing my own little poking around on the interwebs... 
Um, there's a lot of resentment to him from the Broadway community. See, this is interesting because I had never heard this about... As a matter of fact, I never really gave James Corden much of a thought. Right. You know, I, I knew he was a late-night host and mm-hmm. he did some kind of karaoke bullshit. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, suddenly now... He's thrust into the spotlight, uh-huh. and uh, and yeah, doing doing pre-show prep. You were telling me all these things. I was like, really? Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. And it's, you know what facilitated this, you know, now vocal outcry against him was his horrific star turn in the movie version of Cats, Ooh. because apparently he played one of the main characters. Yeah. And was horrible. That, that the movie, whole movie was horrible. I was going to say, it didn't do anybody any good, I don't think. Right, and he knew he was horrible, and he, he said to one of the interviewers, you know, I doubt if I'll ever actually sit and watch the movie myself. <laughs> well, that, that's a nice way of dropping <laughs> a turd and yeah, running. You seriously, know? shit. But, you know, there, there's that, and then upon further research, he has a, a, a bad habit, because he has a, a, a stand-up comedy background. Right. And he had some success in a, in a British TV show, which name escapes me, and he kind of launched himself from there. Right. But whenever he's been used, a la in a Ricky Gervais uh, role right. to host an award show or MC something, yeah. he's not good at it because he's unable to, like, he has no ability to read a room. Right. And his jokes more often than not draw groans rather than chuckles. Right. And there was one instance where he actually went head to head with Patrick Stewart. Really? Sir Patrick Stewart at yeah, this point. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Because he was hosting an awards dinner overseas for, for women in business and achievements. Yeah. And he was like making fun of them, like tongue in cheek as he's doing this. And Patrick Stewart got a little pissed off at him really? and let him know it, you know. And they go on to say, they show a list of, of celebrities that have kind of blasted him publicly, you know, Bill Maher, Ricky Gervais. I mean, guys that make their living doing comedy, you think right. they're normally of the more forgiving sort. Yeah. But he's just kind of recognized as, as kind of an imbecile. Yeah. You know? Well, first and foremost, there should be uh, an axiom if it's not already written in stone at the top of a mountain someplace. Don't fuck with Patrick Stewart. Just yeah, don't. Clearly, it's a bad clearly. idea. Just don't go there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the whole idea of putting somebody on a pedestal and then tearing it down is nothing new. No. Uh, unfortunately, again, you know, these unrealistic expectations are built up. Uh, we find out the reality of the situation. The problem I have, I think, with people like this is you're aware of being put on that pedestal. Some people in that situation undercut it. They No, I'm not. We're not right. doing this. And then some idiots go with it. And yeah. they allow that misinterpretation, uh, that unrealistic uh, interpretation to persist. Mm-hmm. And that's a recipe for disaster. It and, just and you're right, because those people who are ascending, and they're from the ilk, which I you yeah. know, covered previously, yeah. and they, just, they know when exactly to uh, inject some self-deprecating humor Perfect example, Conan O'Brien. Yep. Okay? Yep. His public persona is, is a funny, entertaining guy yeah. between work on Simpsons and his own show and, and Saturday Night Live. And yet he's also the first one to make fun of himself. Yeah. People like that are easy to like accept into your life. Absolutely. You know? yeah. These other ones, yeah, not, not so much. And let's say, you know, moving forward, with the um, consideration of, of Ellen DeGeneres, I mean, look, she built an empire... True empire, honor on it. Give all the credit in the world. Right. But there was always rumblings that all was not what it seemed yeah. with Ellen. But you dismiss it because, of course, along the way, as, as you get famous, I mean, we know this more than anybody. <laughs> there's always people looking to tear you down or bite your ankles whenever yeah, you screw I have up. A, I have a terrible time with right? Every time I go Please. to the supermarket, man, it's brutal. Oh, I can imagine. It's the mob scene, yeah. you know? Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Crazy. I get yelled at when I'm holding up cantaloupes next to a woman's breast. I'm like, oh. I'm like, what? I just want to know if they're ripe. But uh, damn paparazzi. We could go for do? hours on I that, know, right? Know, yep. But it's, you know, she was another one that, because she did the, the daytime talk show format and featured all these celebrities living the beautiful life with the beautiful people, yeah. you know, people look at this and they try, in many cases, to aspire to it. To emulate. Right. Sure. And yeah. Exactly. To emulate it. And maybe they do or maybe they don't. These, these hosts realize that they're wielding a lot of power. Yeah. So that's why it's so easy to hate them when these people become or they, they feel betrayed. Yeah. Okay. And the audience that once put you on a pedestal is now like, you are just... Choose the form of the destructor. 
a demagogue yeah. and down with you, burn them at the stake, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, with the, with the people that you mentioned, there seems to be a bit of a, I don't know, an element of pretension yes. to these people. I mean, the, the whole scenario, the whole uh, idea of building people up and then tearing them down, that's nothing new. You know, and I, I really can't feel all that bad for people in that position because it's kind of like you should have known better. Yeah. You should have seen yeah. this coming. You should have taken steps to mitigate it. You didn't. And, right. you know, in the case of Ellen DeGeneres, you know, when it all came out about the apparently toxic atmosphere mm-hmm. of working on that show, I wondered to myself, you know, how much she had to do with it. Right. You know, whether it was a situation where, you know, the vibe was coming from the top down or whether it was a situation where she was not aware mm-hmm. of what some of the people that she hired and she gave authority to were doing with that right. authority. Which is an excellent point. And, you know, they did kind of say from in, in the onset as things heated up that it was attributed to her because she was so hands-on with everything, right. you know? Right. But I, I see your point. It's a valid point because... More often than not, you know, you got producers of the show, you got people that manage just different segments, and then you got writers that are just handling all the words yep. that everybody's saying. Yeah. So yeah, it's not always a direct line to them causing yeah. all this dismay. Yeah. But then you've got somebody who say that goes off on their own, who is already popular, okay? Mm-hmm. And in this case, we're gonna mention Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. A very successful actress, beautiful woman. There's no taking any of that away from her. No doubt. Hi, I'm Dixie. Dixie Normus. And she, you know, pretty much said goodbye to Hollywood and opened her own business. And she markets a, a, a lifestyle product right. called Goop. How can we really milk the shit out of this? <laughs> See, there, right there. <laughs> I knew it. Right there. <laughs> You're losing me, you know, because that, that just... You're not down with the goop? You know, it just strikes me <laughs> as being tone deaf, kind of cliched, kind of just, yeah. Well, look, and, and I'm glad you framed it that way, because yes, you could definitely look at any celebrity anywhere. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest, I would never buy anything Tom Brady sells with his TB12 brand. Right. Now, I admire Tom Brady, and I've enjoyed rooting for him for many, many years, yep, yep. but I don't give a shit what he sells. I ain't buying it. That's yeah, just yeah. how I'm wired. Yeah. But most people aren't. You know, celebrity gets behind their own thing and branches yeah. off, and they're like, well, if I like them, then I'll like this, and maybe it'll make me like them. You I'm know? not a doctor, but I play with <laughs> TV. Exactly. Yeah. So in the case of poor Gwyneth, she's got this whole stretching lifestyle brand, it's like food, clothing, you know, just the recipes, and then, you know, feng shui in the home, all this shit. Yeah. And the backlash did not take long with her because apparently she's got kind of a mixed message. How can we really milk the shit out of this? <laughs> that this stuff is for everybody, right. yet it's priced out the friggin' kazoo. Ah. Okay? Like, normal people can't buy this stuff, live like her, do this, act like that. Right. And it, 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 you know, for those who couldn't then attain this, they immediately were like, like sour grapes. Like, well, I, I don't like her crap anyway. Yep. You yep. know? Uh-huh. That's the situation that you're, you're creating with something like this. Yeah. And, and, again, it's not new. I can't really feel bad for you if you didn't see it coming. If you're in a situation where you're giving people advice, you better be very, very careful with that. Yeah. You know, you're putting yourself on the pedestal at that point. Yep. And yeah, you better live up to it or eh, yep. shit goes down. I can't help you. You know, a- another example, which we didn't think to include until right now, yeah. um, Dr. Oz. Yeah. Okay. Beloved figure brought to the forefront uh, as one of. Uh, Oprah's many creations. Yeah. You know, I mean, shit, she's got him and Dr. Phil, right? Now, Dr. Oz, for a time, was very well respected, and they're like, oh, wow, an actual doctor on TV. Right. Let's listen to him. Right. And for the first couple of years, that was his shtick, you know? Yeah. But then he got very, like, promotish. Yeah. And he would have his own line of stuff, and. It was it was kind of like you know, started like medicine his own press clipping right yes yes well now that he's running for senator in Pennsylvania right I mean nothing's off limits and he's gotten a lot of blowback as this doctor who's 
pro-life like whoever heard of such a thing yeah. you know yeah you got that then he got him like he's he's pro-gun at the same time right, right. and it's like this doesn't sound very dr oz like you know anybody that's in that kind of scenario trying to make that kind of jump i would be a little reluctant to to support anyway i mean i always understood the guy to be a bit of a snake oil salesman and the idea that now he's gonna hold office right i'm kind of not it just it doesn't I don't buy it, man. Well, here's here's. I don't care if it's him. I feel the same way, ironically enough, about Alec Baldwin. Right. You know, I don't. (laughs) I don't trust that that transition. At least he got to finish eh. the movie Rust, because I'm glad that was a priority of his. (laughs) Jesus. The body's not even cold yet, and they're going to resume filming and finish this. Oh my god! Piece of crap, straight to video. But that's a topic (laughs) for another day, folks. Yes, yes, it is. I'm sorry, (laughs) but um, you know, since we just like had mentioned it, you know, Doctor Phil. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, in, in the first couple seasons or whatever, they would make these sporadic appearances. Or when right. him and Dr. Oz, when their appearances in general were sporadic, yeah. it kept it fresh. And I was like, oh, well, this guy's a psychiatrist. And we love his delivery because he's so folksy. Just, yeah. Whereas now you're like, all this guy does is he brings train wrecks on the show that a chimp could probably diagnose. Yeah, he's... Write, a, write him a script for some, you know... Yeah, he's kind of got a little Murray <laughs> Povich on us here. Yes. Um, yeah, I just... It, it, again, you want to talk about an example of pretentiousness. Right. You know, I, I don't... I guess there's a demographic out there where people like him appeal to them. Right. I don't... I, I, don't I mean, here's your that. typical really Dr. Phil clip. You know? Well, I'll tell you what, the first thing I'd do is stop sleeping with your sister. Yeah. And scene. Okay, thanks for the great advice there. Thank you, know. you Phil. Yeah. And Dr. Oz might be, you know, in many circles, it's not acceptable to use leeches anymore. <laughs> wow. Thank you for that snippet. You know. Wow. And you could go right on down the line with, with Rachel Ray, you know, right. her chubby little heart, God bless her, yeah. making some kind of slop out of common crap you got in the cupboard <laughs> or whatever her shtick is this week. Right. All these, these, these daytime demagogues, let's yeah. call them. Okay. I'm going no, to copyright that one. I like it. You know, they're just such superficial celebrities yeah. that it doesn't take much to drag them on down. Yeah. And again, to the, to the main crux of this segment, it's just, it almost, I know this is a pipe dream, yeah. but it almost signals a maturation of just the audience in general. And maybe right. they're getting wise to this claptrap that's thrown in front of them every day on the television right you know or via cinema or the nightly news or whatever yeah um we see it on 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 cnn now again not to go on a diatribe with that but with new leadership and a new company taking over they've said we're not going to be opinionated anymore we're going to start telling the news right which is like watershed moment revelatory right yeah i'd love to see cnn go back to actually being a news organization that'd be kind of cool and i would love to see the ripple effects because you know what if they do it then they all have to do it right in order to stay competitive yeah which is the natural order of things so again maybe people are looking for that little and i'm not getting preachy (laughs) <laughs> but maybe they're looking for that little nugget of truth in the bowl of bullshit candy corn that yeah. is the holiday season. Indeed. That 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 exists out there. People need things that they, they could sink their teeth into yeah. and, and bet the farm on. Well, I'm kind of wondering if people, yeah, are getting a little bit sick of the, the scenario fluff. as it is. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it, and it's kind of funny that, that these things are being uh, prompted, the created the the events are being set in motion by social media yeah you know social media kills me it's the ultimate contradiction people embrace it they obsess over it absolutely terrified of it yeah you know but the days of being able to be you know james corden Mm -hmm. and get away with it i think they might be a little over folks and i think you know oddly enough what spurred me on to you know even even jump into this kind of train of thought yeah and i'm sorry but the the um even here, I want to say gentlemen. He's uh, one of the preeminent and early advocates for trans rights. Okay. Came out in an interview and said, the other folks that are, that are pushing for, the, for all these trans rights, they're going about it too fast. They need to throttle it down. Interesting. Because the blowback is coming. He, right. and, and it was kind of like a warning phrase. Yeah. Um, and I believe he identified as a man because he did have a beard and whatnot. Okay. But he says it's, it's, it's not what they're doing. It's, it's how they're doing it and the veracity that they're forcing it down people's throats. Right. This is not the way to get to where we want to be. We've already made such great strides. Yeah. 
you need to throttle it down a little bit. Interesting. And it's 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 funny because I've also said to myself many times, like at what point does society in general about anything that's that's new to them, yeah, say hold up, you right. know, not to the extent of say like the fifties, yeah, when everything was just so strictly regulated and right. you had to pass all these tests to get you know a, a tawdry episode of Leave It the Beaver on TV, <laughs> yep. you know, separate beds, folks, right? separate beds, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yet, it, realistically, just from a normal, normal person, whatever that is, point of view, at what point do we just say, hold up? Hold up with the stuff you're doing with your kids? Yep. Hold up with the constant barrage of alternative lifestyles you can't even keep up with anymore? Yeah. And hold up with everybody out there, like these celebrities, telling us how to live. Right. Yeah, you do run the very real risk of it blowing up in your face. If totally. You, if you overdo it, if you oversaturate it. Yep. And yeah, now we've seen this happen. It's a well-established pattern. So if you fall into it, can't really say I'm all that sympathetic because I'm kind, kind of feeling you should have seen it coming. Should have seen it coming. And that leads us to oh. the third gem of the day. All right, all right. Here's one that I got to throw in, folks. This is a Johnny Gem, folks. Johnny Gem. Nice. Little chick band near and dear to my heart. Uh, started out in the uh, mid-90s and unfortunately dissolved back in the mid-2010s, I guess that would be, 2012. Okay. Right. Uh, it's a little tune by the Donnas. All right. Yeah. They're so tasty. It's called Fall Behind Me, <laughs> and we're going to play it for you right now. We'll be back with a wrap-up and, well, one or two more things. Stay She caught it 
I like it. I like, I like it. it. They're aggressive. It, it, it rock. I mean, all their songs rock. And I, it's inspired choice. I hate to admit it, but I kind of forgotten about the Donnas. Yep. I really have. Easy to forget because really they had like three songs that charted. But you know, like I found out in my research, they were on every late night talk show. Yeah, they were in a bunch of movies and TV shows. It's like they got a lot out of their three songs. Nice video games featured all over the place. They were in the uh, the rock band video games. Really? You had to really? play their song. Oh, yeah, wow. No so they really maximized their their fifteen minutes. Nice. Well, good for them. Yeah. So good for them. And that, of course, was um, <clears throat> let me get this straight. It was one of their later <laughs> albums that was out in two thousand and. Three, I want to say. Okay. And the album was uh, the medal. Is it a gold medal? Yeah, gold medal. All right. So anyway, good for them. The Donners. Maybe there's still time to get back together and do whatever. Yeah. And then uh, on another musical note, a yeah. sad musical note, and I hate to always keep like wrapping up shows like this, but I there's know. just been a lot of passings lately. Yeah. Uh, we lost this week the last of the titans of rockabilly, and this after we just did a little sign off for um, Robert Gordon last week. Right. This week we lost uh, the killer Jerry Lee Lewis yep. at eighty-seven years young. Yeah. And if there was a Mount Rushmore of rock and roll, bingo. Jerry Lee's face would be up there with Elvis, yeah. with Carl Perkins. I mean, yeah, yep. just the killer. One know? of the uh, progenitors of, of Sun Records and just like all the great rock and roll they were putting out in, in its infancy. Yep. And. Uh, you know, look, the guy had a life all full of scandal and whatnot. You know, if there was a guy who was the epitome of rock and roll, the good, the bad, and right. decisively ugly, <laughs> married seven times, tales of drunkenness and cruelty in all seven occasions. Teen bros. They think he might have killed his fifth wife. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, you know, and the killer was just mean. And he'd be the first person to tell you he was right. a nasty son of a bitch. Right. He didn't, he didn't hide from it. That, yep. that was Jerry Lee. But like anybody with talent, he was beloved. Oh, he was a monster. You know, yeah. and so many of the musicians, it's just, you know, it's like a laundry list of who lined up to play with him at all the different stages of his career. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you, you know, see this guy play piano? Oh, it's crazy. It was just stunning. It's like a cartoon. I mean, who the hell attacked <laughs> an instrument like that man did? Yep. You felt bad for the piano. It was like, oh, my God. And in some know? instances, when he like flip up his leg, he would hit the heel of his shoe on precisely the high key that yeah. he needed to put a, a, How a period on that. did he do that? A lot of practice. Yeah. That's how you get to Carnegie Hall. Gotta be. So wow. we're going to wrap up once we close up shop today with the immortal Jerry Lee Lewis doing the wild one because uh, it just seemed apropos. That's just totally, totally apropos, totally just Jerry Lee to a T. Uh, this was a song he recorded in 1958. Uh, Johnny O'Keefe wrote it. Uh, it was a hit for Iggy Pop in 1986, I believe. That's, yep. that's, the, that's how I think people would know it. But... No one did it like the killer. Nobody did it like the killer. So, like I said, once we're done, enjoy that. And then for now, as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side. And I'm just I'm on a keep a shaking, I'm on a keep a moving, baby, don't you grab my style, I'm a real wild child. I'm on, baby, shake all night long, I shake till I beat up, I'm home, but I'm on a wild one. Ooh, yeah, I'm a wild one. I'm on a keep a shaking, gonna keep a moving, baby, don't you grab my style, I'm a real wild child. I'm a real wild child Yeah, I really get the moving when the sun goes down All the at the dark, I can get around Gonna move all around, maybe give a hop When we start to bump and I say, okay, stop Cause I'm a wild one Ooh, yeah, I'm a wild one 
shaking, don't I keep on moving, baby, don't you grab my style, I'm a real watch out, 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 watch out!